today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to talk about trade now. We've spent an awful lot of time uh, talking about international trade, about uh, obviously the the uh, NAFTA negotiations, uh, uh, and of course what's going on with some of the other trade deals with Europe and uh, and Trans-Pacific. But what about interprovincial trade? Well, uh, Premier Doug Ford, there he is again. And Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe met yesterday and uh, decided that they're going to try to do something about what they think are some problematic features of uh, uh, in interprovincial trade. Premier Moe and I have just signed an MOU. We've agreed that our provinces will begin bilateral discussions to lower interprovincial trade barriers. That is so critical. And I look forward to working with other provinces and territories to bring interprovincial trade barriers down. My friends, this is what Open for Business is all about. So while the federal government dreams up new ways to tax everyone, we're thinking about new ways to create jobs. Uh, sounds great, doesn't it? Uh, but there are some people that are rather skeptical about this and just wondering how sincere and how devoted he is to this concept. Marvin Ryder from the DeGroote School of Business joins us here in studio to talk about this. How are you doing this morning? I'm fine, thank you, Bill. Uh, interesting idea. Uh, you and I have talked about this in the past, and it's something that doesn't get a whole lot of attention. No. Uh, interprovincial trade barriers, really, that have been up for some time. It's not the first time somebody's brought it up, but uh, boy, they... they when they do talk about it, uh, we virtually get nothing done about it. <laughs> well, this is one of those examples of an issue that makes great sense uh, in practice until you try to operationally do something about it. So let me maybe tee it up this way, Bill. Interprovincial trade barriers uh, account for about 50 to $100 billion of additional costs to our economy that just aren't needed. It would be as if we were all paying a 6.5% sales tax on everything, because of it. Now, where does it have an impact on some of those lovely uh, industries that we've talked about in terms of U.S. trade? So the dairy industry, poultry industry, wine, beer, uh, we, we have some tremendous barriers. So a simple example, uh, for many, many years, if you brewed beer in a different province, let's say I brewed beer in Manitoba, and then I wanted to bring that beer into Ontario, you had to pay a tax that an Ontario brewery didn't. So it set up a situation that Molson and Labatt's had to have small breweries operating in every single province. When we signed free trade with the United States, you could have one gigantic brewery in, say, Cincinnati, Ohio, brew beer for the Canadian market and ship it to every province without a problem, but I couldn't get a big brewery in Ontario to do that because every province had a barrier. So the minute you say, and I love this, I, I, I don't, I'm not arguing against what uh, the premier has done with the premier Mo. Uh, good, let's let's reduce some barriers. But the minute you start to do that, what is a barrier to one person is a protection to another. And oh well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not sure our dairy farmers want milk from Manitoba coming into Ontario, or in the case of Premier Mo from Saskatchewan coming into Ontario. Start over there. Deal with that barrier first. And that's always been the problem with this. Each province kind of likes the supports that it has. There was a meeting. I guess it was two, three years ago now between Kathleen Wynne and uh, Christy Clark, who was mm -hmm. the BC Premier at the time, and they had this, the same discussion. If you would call Marvin, yeah. And, and essentially what the two of them said, this is a great idea, uh, but we have to protect our industry. So, so yeah, just you guys go ahead and do that because I think I'm in total agreement with it, but just don't touch mine. Yeah. Well, for instance, yesterday, and again, I'm not trying, I, I, don't, I want to make sure people understand, I'm not trying to slam uh, Premier Ford. So he has this photo op with Premier Mo. They shake hands and they sign what's called a memorandum of understanding. And it's a basically one paragraph that says, we are going to agree to reduce barriers between 
Saskatchewan and Ontario, and they shake hands and great flourish. There are no details. There's no timetable. There's no where are we going to start on this. So let's start first with barriers on wine or beer or butter or whatever it is. It just says we'll, we'll work hard and do the best we can. And I find those things just not worth the paper they're printed on. I would feel much better if they had some meat and actually said, here's the very first one. We're going to agree today to get rid of whatever this barrier is. I, I have no idea what it would be, but they'd put something out there. When they just speak in generic terms, I, I get worried about that. but And yet, and yet, I would tell you, Bill, yeah, I think it is very important. If we are going to have Canada have freer trade with the world, uh, I don't want a situation where it's easier for someone in Ontario to buy a case of California wine than it is British Columbia wine. There was a Supreme Court case about this. There have been the, many the, the cases famous, about this. Yeah, the famous beer case. Uh, the guy from New Brunswick that went across the border to Quebec to buy his beer uh, and he was charged, and he took it all the way. It went all the way to the Supreme Court, and they ruled against him. In other words, they maintained the barriers. Well, in that situation, there was a yes, they did because there was a 1921 law that talked about this. And uh, it, it, again, basically, the rule is this: if I go to another province and I buy some beer, let's say for my personal use, and I have I bought 24, and I'm bringing six of them back home with me, not a problem. But in his case, you know, he really liked a certain brand. It wasn't available in New Brunswick, so he'd make these monthly pilgrimages and not buy 24, but buy, you know, 240, 10 cases. And the police pulled him over and said, wait a minute, what are you doing here? And that violates the spirit of this. And so they said, yeah, until you change this 1921 law, that's the law of the land. I'm sorry. Even though maybe logically this is stupid, especially in a world of free trade, Okay, provinces, if you don't want this to happen, change the law. They, they, they would be thrilled, but they can't write the law themselves. But, but most of the, the laws and the restrictions that we're talking about here, Marvin, as, and you just talked about this one from 1921, are, are that antiquated, aren't they? I oh, mean, yes. they, were, they, were, they were established when probably interprovincial trade was much more important than international trade to a lot of these economies. Yes, or there was, again, remember one person's... Uh, um, uh, inefficiency is also someone's protection. So that was also the fear that some economy was growing rapidly and they may flood our market, so we've got to protect our people in this area. I'll just give you another quick example, Bill. You know, uh, uh, Today, a big thing that's booming in Ontario is craft breweries, all these yeah. lovely little craft breweries, and we encourage them. It's a wonderful time. But let's suppose I'm an Ontario craft brewery, and I think, hmm, I'd like to now start selling my product in Quebec or in British Columbia like that. Another funny law we have is how you go about promoting, how you go about promoting uh, beer in other places. For instance, in British Columbia, I cannot show an advertisement of you consuming beer while operating heavy equipment. Now, I think that makes sense. I don't want someone driving a bulldozer and having a beer. But in British Columbia, the definition of heavy equipment includes barbecuing. <laughs> so that in an ad in British Columbia, if the host who's barbecuing, he can only consume the beer when the lid of the barbecue is down and the flames are hidden, then he can have a sip or she can have a sip of their beer. Otherwise, if the barbecue is up, the host cannot be drinking this. Now, if I'm trying to create one ad, because I don't have the budget to create an ad for each individual province, I'm just a little craft brewer. I need one ad to do all. I've got to read every province's codes on advertising and get it consistent. I think it's in Alberta that if I do an ad for an uh, alcohol product like beer, I also have to show people consuming food because we don't want you drinking just on an empty stomach. And so, again, I, so I've got to get the barbecue down. I've got to have somebody eating a hamburger. I've got to do this. And it, it, 
it's easy for Molson and Labatt, given their size, but for a craft brewer, these things are barriers. And why do we have them? Why don't we just have one common code across Canada? Well, good question. And and the, the industries that are, are asking provinces to put these protectionist measures in place, uh, do they not understand that if you take these barriers down, they're going to sell more product? I think on one level they do, but it's, it's always the fear of the unknown. It's a bit, built like... Um, uh, we've signed the USMCA, and in the USMCA, we, Canada, have agreed to allow a little more American milk into Canada. Uh, it's 15% more, so when I say it like that, oh my God, 15% more, but it's going to go from 3.25% of the market to 3.6% of the market. And yet that's enough that many farmers in the dairy industry are just terrified about all of this. By the way, a little story, footnote story to that yesterday in, uh, I think it was a Wisconsin, but it might have been North Dakota, was that the farmers there said, is that, we fought and this is all we got? This isn't going to help me at all. But, you know, it's the fear of the unknown. We're going to go someplace we haven't been before. As crazy or clunky as the system is today, at least I understand the system today, if you go to this new one, gosh, it's going to be different. Well, I think different and better. I don't think it's different and worse. But what are, what are the chances of success with this? First of mm. all, these are only two of the premiers. Mm. Uh, and I, I, at one time, I think they've all talked about this. And uh, it, there's got to be a discussion about this. And it, it just seems highly unlikely. I mean, even yesterday when, when uh, Premier Ford and Premier Moe made these announcements, uh, this MOU about this, uh, they, the first thing that the opposition parties asked, well, how come you didn't send trade representatives to that trade conference last year? So you, clearly your heart's not in this. Yeah, yeah so, excuse <coughs> me, Bill. Let's say that again. Uh, last week, in, uh, in, towards the end of October, there was a cross-provincial conference on trade. And top of the agenda, get rid of interprovincial trade barriers. And neither Saskatchewan nor Ontario sent a representative to it. So wait a minute. We had a conference where all the provinces were supposed to be there to talk trade, and you didn't go. But now yesterday, your memorandum of understanding, how serious are you? And that's, I think that's my concern about this. I don't oppose the idea. I really would love to see some meat go on those bones, and let's let's start doing it. And in fact, I think uh, there's a role here for Ontario to show leadership. It's the largest of the provincial economies. 35% of the population of Canada is in Ontario. And, and rather than worrying about reciprocity, let's just do it. Let's do it, and let's show leadership to whether it's Saskatchewan or, or New Brunswick or Nova Scotia. Let's show some leadership and take a chance. However, however... We've talked this way before, and we haven't seen it happen. So forgive me for being skeptical. I'll believe it when I actually see some legislation come forward. I mean, you use the example of wine, uh, which obviously is a growth industry. Yeah. Uh, Ontario has a, a fabulous wine industry it right does. now. BC has a fabulous wine industry. It does too. But it's still cheaper to buy California wine <laughs> in Ontario. Well, or it, so there's a price. There'll always be a price thing. Fair enough, Bill. And that gets to economy scales, the size of wineries. Interprovincial trade doesn't change that so that a California winery is 10 times the size of an Ontario winery. They're going to make wine more cheaply. But, it's but, more, but part, of that, part of the price of that BC wine I might want to pick up at the LCBO is going to be because of these, these tariffs that have been put in place. Uh, right. And so that's the part that worries me. If it's easier for us to buy American product or Australian product or Chilean product than it is to buy our own Canadian product, that worries me. Now, again, here's another simple example, the LCBO. If you go into the LCBO... The way the LCBOs are designed is they give the prime shelf space closest to the door to Ontario wines. That's a discrimination. They're saying we're, we're doing that on purpose. We want to promote our Ontario wineries first and foremost. It is actually all a government-owned store. 
And now we'll have the other ones there, so it's not like we don't stock them, but we don't give them the primary shelf. And there's lots of people who say, well, wait a minute, that's, that's not right. That's not fair. Shouldn't you be doing it based on volume or something? Give the best-selling wines the prime space. So, that, you know, I'm not saying we're going to get to total free trade overnight. We may want to keep that discriminatory practice, but let's suppose there's a difference in the taxes. So it's a, I'll just make up a number here and say 15% on Ontario wine, but 21% on BC wine. Let's get rid of that. And again, I understand that people say, oh, but you know, I kind of like that because it gives my product an advantage over theirs. What you really should be doing is putting out really good product. Forget about the price aspect to it. I know when it comes to wine and even beer, craft beer is an example, people are prepared to pay for better quality. People are prepared to pay for better taste. Uh, so compete on that. Do the best you possibly can, but let's get rid of these other little niggly things. Especially when it comes to alcohol. I mean, you know, there, there's... I can see somebody going to a, a no-frills and say, okay, I can buy macaroni a lot cheaper there than I can at, at one of the larger stores. But when you get into beer, wine, etc., I mean, you have a specific desire for a certain product, and, and you're going to go looking for that, which is why, obviously, the marketing of this study, you will pay more because you say, hey, I like that brand, whether it's an Ontario wine or California, BC, whatever the case might be, and you'll go all over the place trying to find it. Yeah, exactly. I, I had some friends over. They really raved about it, so I'm going to have it again. Uh, I don't want to take a chance on something I don't know. Let's go do that again. So, I mean, I, I know these are, these are just one-off examples, Bill, but it just shows you how tightly woven. So when I say a number like $50 billion or $100 billion inefficiency in the market, it's not one billion in total here, it's five cents here, it's 10 cents here, it's 25 cents there. It just accumulates because of the volume of purchases. Uh, and it would, I would say it'd be just wonderful if we could do that. It's fascinating. We'll have these big conferences. We'll spend 15 months to deal a, do a free trade deal with the United States. We aren't prepared to spend 15 hours to talk between the provinces. Well, and the reason we keep referencing beer and wine here is because anytime any premier has brought this up, it's always within that reference point. But it's, it's the beer and wine industries. So obviously they see potential. But nobody seems to want to make that first move. Right. But again, it's, fairness is not limited to that. Many agricultural products, I, I just wrote dairy a minute ago, cheese, poultry, there, there are differences. And here, again, what we might have is a situation that it's easier to get American eggs into Canada than it is to get, say, Quebec eggs into Ontario. That's, that's when it starts to concern me. So you're not anticipating any next steps anytime soon from these two guys? Well, uh, what's interesting is there certainly is a friendship developing between Premier Mo of Saskatchewan and Premier Ford. Uh, they have a common enemy in Justin Trudeau, uh, and they, they, the two of them are taking Justin to court around carbon taxes. Yeah. Um, so if out of that discussion comes closer relationships on trade, I'm, I'm all for it. But I, I would rather see them not work in bilateral or two-person parties. I'd rather see them come to a table with all 10 provinces and make some significant action. Um, and I, I've been wondering where that leadership is going to come. Should that be led by Canada, it, which in a way has no skin in the game because it's not Canadian rules that cause these. These are provincial rules. Should it come from one province? If Doug Ford wanted to make this a hallmark of his time as premier, I would support him 100%. I just don't sense that he thinks he's going to get a lot of hay out of that. So... Nice photo op yesterday. We'll see if anything happens. Marvin Ryder at the DeGroote School of Business. Always a pleasure. Thanks for coming in today. Glad to be here. The Bill Kelly Show. Weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.